Well, good morning, everyone. I, I feel like we've just had our service right before us with the reading of the Psalms and the great singing. It was super. Uh, last time I preached was back in March, and on that particular day, two of my grandsons were celebrating their birthday. Today, my youngest son has his birthday, so I'd like to say happy birthday to my son, Jonathan, who's sitting in the back there. <clears throat> this uh, past weekend was, of course, the 4th of July weekend, and uh, I spent some time uh, listening to some patriotic songs and uh, listening to the stories behind some of the songs and the idea of the fact that men gave their lives so that our country could be free. We need to continue to pray for our country, Lord, for our government. Well, I want to tell you a little story before I start the sermon. Uh, there was a church that had an annual church picnic, and uh, the pastor actually sat on the planning committee. So the planning committee said, we're going to go to this park. It's a nice little stream and lake there, and we're going to have our picnic there, and we'll make sure that we have plenty of hamburgers and hot dogs. So the pastor said, hold on. He said, we have hamburgers and hot dogs every time we have a picnic. I love fried chicken. We are having fried chicken. So they decided that would be the main dish. So on the day of the picnic, one of the parishioners went and he picked up boxes and boxes of fried chicken. And he began to walk over the little bridge over the stream into the park and he tripped and fell and the boxes of chicken flew into the stream. He said, what are we going to do? One of the other parishioners said, well, you know the pastor loves fried chicken. Grab his dentures, tie them to a line, throw it in him, or our picnic will be saved. <laughs> Another in my series of denture jokes. <laughs> Ready? Let's see if we can get this up and running. Okay. Uh, today, we're going to look at Psalm 143 a psalm of David. And as I read through a couple different versions, they had different titles for this psalm. One of them, the first one that you have on here, is a psalm of complaint and prayer. I, I don't like that title because it has the word complaint in there, but David, when he was praying, was doing some complaining to God. Another version had an earnest appeal for guidance and deliverance. I thought, that one sounds pretty good. And then another version I looked at had the words, my soul thirsts for you. There is a Christian song uh, by a group called Vineyard uh, called My Soul Thirsts for You. And if you want to look it up on YouTube, uh, it's, it's a great song. So let's read these verses. I'll read them. You follow along. Psalm 143. Lord, hear my prayer and listen to my cry for mercy. In your faithfulness and righteousness, come to my relief. Do not bring your servant into judgment, for no one living is righteous before you. The enemy pursues me. He crushes me to the ground. He makes me dwell in the darkness like those long dead. So my spirit grows faint within me. My heart within me is dismayed. I remember the days of long ago. I meditate on all the, your works and consider what your hands have done. I spread out my hands to you. 
I thirst for you like a parched land. Answer me quickly, Lord. My spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me, or I will be like those who go down to the pit. Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love, for I have put my trust in you. Show me the way I should go, for to you I entrust my life. Rescue me from my enemies, Lord, for I hide myself in you. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your good spirit lead me on level ground. For your namesake, Lord, preserve my life. In your righteousness, bring me out of trouble. In your unfailing love, silence my enemies. Destroy all my foes, for I am your servant. So we're going to look at these verses and some of the corresponding scriptures that go with the verses. And I'm going to start with verse 1. Lord, hear my prayer and listen to my cry for mercy. In your faithfulness and righteousness come to my relief. If we go over to Psalm 86, which is one of my favorite songs, verses 1 to 4 say this. Hear me, Lord, and answer me. For I am poor and needy. Guard my life, for I am faithful to you. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. Have mercy on me, Lord, for I call to you all day long. Bring joy to your servant, Lord, for I put my trust in you. We know that King David, before he became king and he was anointed, He was pursued by his enemies, and one of his biggest enemies was King Saul. And several times, David had to flee to the wilderness, and Saul and his troops were chasing after David. David actually had a chance to kill Saul two times, and he didn't do it because Saul was still the king. He was still in power. But David, because of what he went through, he had to cry out to the Lord many times for his deliverance. Uh, I want to tell you a little story. Um, It it doesn't relate to me being chased by enemies to be killed, but it was a bad experience that I went through. Uh, A number of years ago, uh, I got together with a buddy, and we went out and we started looking at houses because we wanted to do a house flip. So we had a realtor. Uh, I coached this guy's son in basketball, taught him, and this realtor went out looking, and he found a house that was uh, up for sheriff's sale at a a cheaper uh, discount. So we went, we took a look at the house. First mistake was there was no power in the house. Uh, People lived there, the electricity was cut off, everything. So I couldn't see the whole house really well. It was kind of dark, but because I had a carpentry background, I just said, hey, you know, I think we can do a flip on this. So anyway, we spent a few months and thousands of dollars renovating the house. We put it on the market to sell. We got a contract. We were excited. Then the realtor said, the people were turned down because many years ago, they did not pay back their college loan, and it's come up on their credit check. So my heart sunk, put it back on the market, got another contract. We were excited. We're going to flip it, make a few dollars. Well, that one fell through because there was a gas fireplace in the house. It didn't have an outside vent. Now, we could have cut a hole in a brick, and we could have put an outside vent in, but the people got scared off. 
So then we went to plan B, and that was to rent the house. Uh, the people that we were renting the house from were a couple whose last name was Jones. There are hundreds of thousands, probably millions of Jones families, so if you're related to one or your last name is Jones, forgive me, I'm not talking about you. But it ended up that they were not a married couple. He was actually married to somebody else. And um, I won't get into all the details, but they had an arrangement where they would rent the house together. And they were presented as grandparents, and they were presented as a couple with three grandkids. Well, to make a long story short, they ended up having 13 people living in a house. They stopped paying rent. They destroyed the house. We had to go to court, had to get them evicted. We had to go back in and do another renovation and then try to put it back on the market. Well, my mistake was I didn't go to the Lord in prayer and commit the house to him to begin with. We just thought, carpenters, we have game plans, worst case scenarios, we can rent and make some investment income. We never thought that the people would stop paying rent, get 13 people in there and destroy the house. So basically, from the time we put the house on the market the first time, right after we bought it, for four years I cried out to the Lord. I said, Lord, please help us. Please help them pay the rent. Please help us get rid of them. Please help us find a buyer. And on the day that we finally went to settlement, you know, I screamed and shouted for joy, but lost many thousands of dollars and then hundreds of hours of labor on either end, never got paid a dime for that. But I cried out to the Lord in my dismay, and it took a while. He had to teach me a lesson to make my plans according to him and do it that way. Verse 2. Do not bring your servant into judgment, for no one living is righteous before you. And if you're willing to admit this, sometimes we feel that we're more righteous than others because they sin in a different way than we do. And I think we can all shake our heads in agreement. We all have our sins and weaknesses. Proverbs 20, verse 9, asks this question. Who can say that I have kept my heart pure I am clean without sin. And then Psalm 130 has a similar inquiry. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? Thankfully, when we trust Christ as our Savior and we ask for his forgiveness, we can be made righteous. And I like to read a scripture that's not on here, uh, Romans 5, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And I'm glad that when we exercise our faith, God gives us grace and he forgives our sins. We move to verses 3 and 4. The enemy pursues me. He crushes me to the ground. He makes me dwell in darkness like those long dead. So my spirit grows faint within me. My heart within me is dismayed. We see that David is overwhelmed by his enemies, and he sinks into a depression. And he is under the attack of demonic spirits. Demonic spirits were leading Saul to try to kill him and the troops to try to kill him. This should not surprise us, 
Because Ephesians 6.12 says, Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Satan knew that Christ would come from the lineage of David, so he sought to take David's life. Satan knows prophecy. He knows the scripture. He knows what's going to happen, so he's trying to take David's life. So we need to be on guard against Satan's schemes. He doesn't want us to be witnesses for Christ. So he's going to come against us. He's going to use depression. He's going to use opposition and any other means to try to neutralize us. Last night in my Bible reading, I just finished uh, the book of Job. And Job went through what I classify as probably the greatest trial in human history for a believer. Uh, Satan came to God. God was boasting about how righteous Job was. And then God gave Satan permission on two occasions to go in to destroy his family, to destroy his wealth, and then take away his health. Not his life, but his health. And there's Job sitting covered in ashes, scraping the boils off of him that covered his body, immensely suffering. And he had three friends come. And when they saw him, they were so dismayed that they sat there for seven days and didn't say a word because Job's suffering was so great. But then after doing this great thing of coming to be with Job, they turned around and they began to attack Job. Job was a righteous man. He helped widows. He helped orphans. He helped the poor. He gave great advice to uh, the government officials in the land. He was highly revered. And what his friends did is they began to argue against him and say he was doing the opposite of the very good things he was doing. And he had to sit through three different friends condemning him. And of course, Job was crying out to the Lord, God let it happen. But the great thing is, because Job was a righteous man and he passed this trial, this test, that God restored him. He was able to start a family again. And it says in there his daughters were the most beautiful in the land. He was able to regain his wealth. He was re able to regain his health. And he lived for another 140 years and was a righteous witness for God. So if Satan is after you, if he's trying to neutralize you, he's trying to oppress you, he's trying to send you into depression, cry out to the Lord. I don't know how long it'll take the answer. For me, with my house, it took four years. Job suffered for, for many, many weeks. But cry out to the Lord. Verses 5 and 6. I remember the days of long ago. I meditate on all your works and consider what your hands have done. I spread out my hands to you. I thirst for you like a parched land. So I'd like to take a, a look at some of the uh, supporting scriptures. Uh, Psalm 84, and there's three verses I'm going to read. Verses 4, 10, and 12. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Better is one day in your courts than thousands elsewhere. Blessed is the one who trusts in you. Psalm 86.10, For you are great and do marvelous deeds. 
You alone are God. David's remembering these things. He's remembering. Psalm 77, 5 and 6 and 11 to 13. I thought about my former days, the years of long ago. I remember my songs in the night. My heart meditated and my spirit asked, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your ways, God, are holy. What God is as great as our God? It's always good to remember what God has done. Uh, Elder Arthur Shepherd mentioned a few weeks ago about the works of creation. And there's a great promise for all those who thirst. Got my water here. As mentioned in Revelations chapter 20 to 22, God's going to give us living water to drink from. The uh, verses that I just read from Psalm 84 and Psalm 86, uh, I composed the song, and I'm going to go down and uh, perform that for you right now. I was having trouble keeping that thing up earlier. God, you're my Lord and King, and I bow to worship you, for you are great and do marvelous things, there is no one like you, you left your home in glory above to humbly come to earth with the crown of thorns and your arms spread wide you offered me new birth you're my lord and king you're my everything and i bow to worship you you're my Lord and King, you're my everything, and I bow to worship you. You alone are God. You alone are God and King. Lord Almighty, blessed is the man who places his faith in you. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, they're forever praising you. Let them know that you whose name is the Lord have the most holy name. For you are great and do wonderful things. You deserve all the fame. You're my Lord and King. You're my everything. And I bow to worship you. 
You're my Lord and King, you're my everything, and I bow to worship you. You're my Lord and King, you're my everything, and I bow to worship you. You're my Lord and King, you're my everything, and I bow to worship you. For you alone are God. For you alone are God and King. God, you're my Lord and King, and I bow to worship you. I have uh, been through Psalms many times, and it's funny how some of the verses just hop out at you and grab your attention, so I've actually written several, uh, psalm, several songs from the book of Psalms. As we continue, we go to verses 7 and 8. Answer me quickly, Lord, for my spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me, or I will be like those who go down to the pit. Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love, for I have put my trust in you. Show me the way that I should go, for to you I entrust my life. In this particular section, we find that David is asking God to immediately hear him and act on his requests. I'm like that. I'm very impatient. I like to pray for something to have an instant answer. He does not want to go down to the pit. He does not want to die. So he turns to the only hope that he has, and that's God, his Savior. He mentions in the morning in which he desires to hear of God's loving kindness. And we have some supporting scriptures. I read Psalm 86 to you a little earlier. I'm going to read verses 3 and 4 again. Have mercy on me, Lord, for I call to you all day long. Bring joy to your servant, Lord, for I put my trust in you. Psalm 90, 14. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy and be glad all of our days. Mornings really are the most important part of the day. And I've mentioned in previous sermons that when I get up, I read a chapter from the book of Proverbs every morning. I've been doing that now for about three years. I have my prayer time in the morning. And then uh, at the end of the day, I do a Bible reading plan through either the Old Testament or the entire Bible. So start your day off in the morning. Cry out to God. Give him your requests in the morning. Verses 9 and 10. Rescue me from my enemies, Lord, for I hide myself in you. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. 
May your good spirit lead me on level ground. And here we have David again asking for deliverance from his enemies. And he asked God to teach him his will. Psalm 86.11 says this, Teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. That's another one of the songs that I wrote. I'm not going to do that today. And if I ever do it, I'll have some singers that can hit the high notes because there are a few high notes in that particular one. And then we get to the last couple verses of the chapter, verses 11 and 12. For your name's sake, Lord, preserve my life. In your righteousness, bring me out of trouble. In your unfailing love, silence my enemies. Destroy all my foes, for I am your servant. As we uh, take a look at this prayer, Psalm 143, there are some verbs in the prayer that David prays. In verse 7, he says, answer me or hear me, depending on what version that you're listening to or reading. In verse 8, he asks God, says, show me, God, show me. In verse 9, he says, rescue me or deliver me. In verse 10, he says, teach me. And in verse 11, he says, preserve me or quicken me or preserve my life. David wanted his enemies who afflicted him to be destroyed. And sometimes when we see the evil in this world, we want God to either destroy our enemies or to disable them immediately. Uh, When I watch the news, I get mad. I yell at the television set. When I see the news media backing every type of ungodly behavior every type of scriptural principle, and they feed it to this nation, I get upset because our nation had a godly heritage. It was a Judeo-Christian ethic. It's what made our country great. I have to remember that the scripture says that the rain falls on the righteous and the unrighteous, doesn't it? There are some people who live evil lives. They accumulate wealth through their wickedness, and they live to be 80 and 90 years old. And we wonder why God doesn't take them. But we have to remember that ultimately God is going to judge all of the evildoers, all those people who have rejected him and have lived in sin. A few weeks back, I finished the 22-week study on the book of Revelation. Uh, For those who came to my class, we started in January And we finished in June. We did one chapter a week. And we know from the end of the book of Revelation that several good things are going to happen. Our enemies, death and Hades, are going to be cast into the lake of fire forever. And for those whose names are written in the book of life, in Revelation 21.4, we are promised that we're never again going to die. We're not going to be in pain. We're not going to be in sorrow. We're not going to be in hunger, and we're no longer going to thirst. So my final challenge to you guys out here, whether you're in the service or you're watching online, is if you don't know if your name is written in the book of life, then please come see one of the elders when the service is done or email us uh, from home. 
And we can sit down and we can discuss the plan of salvation with you, talk about the forgiveness of sins and accepting Christ as your personal Savior and having your name written in a book of life and having all the wonderful promises of Scripture. If I can uh, ask you to do this, we're going to have an ending prayer. If it's going to come up here. There it is. Let's all stand and we're going to pray together to uh, end the service. This prayer is based on Psalm 86, Philippians 4.8, James 4.7 and 8, and Ephesians 6.10 and 11 and verse 18. All right, follow with me and teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness and walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. For whatever is honorable, just, pure, lovely, and commendable, if there is anything excellent or worthy of praise, think about such things. So submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Finally, Be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to take your stand against Satan's schemes by praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. Amen. This is a prayer that I wrote after listening to some sermons and reading some scripture. And I've been praying that prayer the last couple weeks in the morning. It is on your bulletin. I would challenge you to pray that prayer each day. And also, there are many psalms, and you can devise your own prayers and pray to the Lord.